I'm Risa Williams, and this is the Motivation Mindset, where I talk to successful and productive people about how they manage their time. I'm the author of the Ultimate Time Management Toolkit. I'm also a therapist and productivity coach in Los Angeles. Today, I'm talking to my good friend Ezra Werb, who is an educational therapist, a filmmaker, and the author of the book, Teach for Attention, a tool belt of strategies for engaging students with attention challenges. On this episode, we'll be discussing how to use rewards and delayed gratification to help motivate you to get through challenging everyday tasks. So Ezra, thanks so much for being on the show today. I'm so happy to talk to you. Yeah, this is fun. I'm happy to do this. And I've heard your other podcasts. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm proud to be part of uh, this cool project you have. That's great. So talk to me a little bit about your busy schedule and what a busy day looks like for you. You're an author. You're also an educational therapist. You're a filmmaker. So walk me through what your busy week looks like. Yeah. So that's, it's, it's nice to hear somebody's like encapsulate all these things that I do or have done. (laughs) It's that it gives me that little bit of like, you know, self-confidence boost. Like, oh yeah, I do all these things, but I don't do them all at once. I think that's one of the points is um, I tend to do projects compartmentalized. So I'll focus on something, you know, kind of a project at a time. It's the best way I can explain it. So when I've made, you know, videos or I've written a book, I've sort of chunked out a time to do that. Even if I was working like a quote unquote day job at the time, I sort of tend to focus on one project at a time. Like I know that like when I was working on my attention book for teachers, I knew that there was no other projects I could deal with at that time. So anything that came across my plate during that, I don't remember how long it was, six months, eight months, a year, I don't don't remember, it's all blur. Um, I did not take on and I tried to limit any excess activities, you know, because of that. So for me, it's a conscious choice. So that's one area that I think I'm pretty good at. Um, But right now, my my big project actually does involve my day job, which is um, I am the coordinator of a student support service or an academic support service at a private school. I am because now there's this support system at this school, I get tons of emails every day (laughs) from parents, from teachers about students. So what I'm running into is just in this one big project I'm working on, um, I'm having trouble like, okay, so I'm getting, you know, 10 to 15 emails a day about all sorts of different issues. How do I even manage that? Because I do answer people and and if students are struggling, I I need and want to get on it. But I I have a finite amount of time. I'm trying to schedule in seeing students along with my colleagues. Typically in my home life, I have decent systems for, you know, between post-its, calendars, checkoff charts, I'm pretty well organized, but I'm finding this year at this job that I'm having, I need a system. (laughs) Right. When you're working in a school, it's a fast-paced environment, and often people don't realize how often you're being interrupted in a day. And it gets really hard to prioritize what's a crisis, what do I need to handle now, how can I finish something when I'm getting 100 emails coming in about other problems that seem important. And that speaks to that executive functioning that you're talking to students about, but then you're having to navigate it yourself, that prioritization of tasks. And what do I handle first? So how do you teach students 
when they're struggling with that to navigate organizing tasks. So all of us as adults are constantly dealing with these sorts of challenges, regardless if it's personal stuff, if it's work stuff, if it's project stuff. When we're helping students get organized now in 2022, it's less about, you know, I've, I've, you know, been in education now for 20 years or so. And the, the change from parents saying, my student's backpack is a mess. Right. Is now more like online, they're a mess. Yeah. So that that's one interesting facet is we're, we're talking less about like, you know, loose papers and more about how do you organize, if you're a student, if you're a young student, how do you organize your online life? Um, and some right. of the executive functions involved in this involve all sorts of things like a, certainly having the self-control um, to um, ignore, which is nearly impossible for young people these days, social media, yeah. YouTube, Netflix, et cetera, to get your homework done. Um, that sort of self-monitoring and self-control, which is, um, those are big executive functions, which executive functions are sort of the way that our cognitive mind uh, orchestrates our day-to-day, minute-to-minute um, functioning. Yeah, and also processing and sorting information, too, is a big part of executive functioning. So when students are getting hit with a million assignments online that they're not checking and they're avoiding, it's teaching them how to address those things and how to break things down into smaller steps so they can feel less overwhelmed by it. Exactly. Yeah. So we, you know, we do work with just, first of all, helping them just get up and running on the online platform and prioritizing is a big one. Monitoring how much mental energy you have in a given moment and how much you can expend and doing things like self-rewarding. So that's a big one this year. Yeah. Um, I think we, we want to talk about with students is how do you give your brain those self-rewards as you're doing work? And certainly this applies to adults as well. All these tasks, you know, for adults, it's, it's well, I guess for work, I guess that would be the most parallel thing to a student doing schoolwork. But anyway, the point is, we all have tasks we need to do that are non-preferred, that don't light up centers of our brain. You know, so mm-hmm. you know, a lot of students are really jazzed by certain topics and subjects in school. And some just, it just might not be the thing that, that lights up their brain like that. Mm-hmm. So um, figuring out how one can sort of not force themselves to be interested in something, but at the very least be proud of themselves for doing non-preferred tasks, if that's the case. Yeah. You know, doing the dishes is not necessarily fun for me. Or uh, the example I always bring up is just, you know, working on tax stuff. I just hate it. Right. So I, I can't make myself like doing that personally. But I yeah. can, but I can say, hey, if I do, you know, a half hour of tax stuff right now in March, um, I can reward myself by watching whatever you know Netflix show I'm into for a couple. Hours. Yeah, so I love that you're using that as an example because although we're talking about kids initially, really all the things you're describing, like learning how to prioritize what we need to do, learning how to attack and tackle hard tasks by picking a reward, and then emotionally connecting with what we just did. All these executive functioning skills really apply to everyone right now. So talk to me about, as adults, how we can build that in. Obviously, I think you need to find what works for you, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, for me to reward myself with going out and buying something is not really my thing. I don't, I'm not like a shopper. I don't like buying things, spending yeah. money. Um, so that wouldn't work for me. 
Other right. people might be great. Like, oh, I did this non-preferred thing. I did something in my house or whatever that I was, you know, really didn't want to do. I'm going to go treat myself to something material. Yeah. But for me, it tends to be things like, okay, now I just want to chill, turn my brain off, so to speak, and enjoy, like I said, either a TV show that I've been watching. I'll even like, if there's a show that I really am like, you know, binging, I try to stop and say, oh, I can use this as a reward for myself. Yeah. So things like that, or checking out this new, my, one of my favorite bands came out with a new album. Oh, I'll take the time to listen to this piece of music or something to that effect. So for me, it tends to be things like, okay, now I just need to chill and relax. Um, but I want to still feel like, oh, this was a reward for myself. Right. And part of that is learning delayed gratification as a reward. It's all part of developing that those executive functions in yourself, right? It's, yeah. Executive functions are like muscles, right? So we need to practice them and work at them. And it's kind of self-reflexive because you need executive functioning to get better at executive functioning. Right. But, you know, that that's sort of the point, right? So we're sharpening things like task initiation. Like, how do I just, in that moment, how do I just break through and just say, I'm going to dedicate mental energy or physical energy to this task? Or how do I organize this bigger project in such a way that I'm going to be able to get it done? And rewarding yourself is part of that executive function process. Yeah. And if it's an especially hard task, it can be helpful to break it down into tiny steps as you do with students. And then each step maybe has a mini reward or a smaller reward. There's no reason you have to save the reward for completing the end. You can break it down into stages like little milestone rewards yeah. as well. Yeah. And you you can match your reward to how much work you put in, right? So you could say, I just did 10 minutes on this thing. I'm just going to do something quick for 10 and also not to burn through your big reward, you know, when you're not completely done with a project. Exactly. And I'm sure, you know, this is something I'm sure parents deal with all the time with their with their children. If you use rewards as an incentive for your children, you want to make sure you're not overdoing the rewards for really tiny things, unless that's where the child is at, of course. Right. You know, you're just starting out doing this for yourself. Maybe, you know, if you're if you're someone who's really struggles to get started doing anything, or you really feel like your executive functioning is challenged or, you know, uh, you know, if you're, if you're feel like this is a severe challenge for you, then maybe at to start, you might want to give yourself some really good rewards to help kickstart this whole process. Right. It's about being flexible and figuring out what works best for you and for your kid or your student. So talk to me a little bit about teaching students different levels of tasks and how they emotionally affect them. In my book, I have the task intensity meter, which asks people to gauge if something's high intensity, mid intensity, or low intensity. And when I talk to people about intensity, it's usually how stressful it is to experience. And I know you have your own lingo that you use with students as well. Well, I actually think I, I actually want to use a lot of stuff from your book this year. So because uh, I think it totally applies to these students because they get all sorts of different levels of homework tasks. Right. Right. So they get stuff that's just sort of quick weekly sort of stuff that typically should take a student say, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. 
you know, I'm at a school where teachers understand the difference between shorter, just sort of weekly stuff and then bigger projects. You know, right. Really so the students get a sense of that, too. It's like, oh, this is sort of the weekly stuff. It really shouldn't take that long. But they have these bigger projects in their sort of curriculum that, um, you know, teachers do a really great job there of breaking them down into steps. When I teach a course um, based on my book for, for teachers, um, that's one of the things I definitely emphasize is like not to give, whether it's a seventh grader or a 12th grader, in an, a huge multi-multi-step project without helping them sort of scaffold it step by step. You know, eventually this is something that, you know, if they go to college or just in life, you're not you're not necessarily handed those steps. But yeah. I think at this age, they are learning how to manage bigger tasks and break them down. And by scaffolding it for them, you're, you're kind of teaching them how to do it. I like that term, scaffolding it for them. Sure. How do you tackle procrastination as an adult in your own life when you start to feel like you're procrastinating? Yeah, it's... The thing that I, aside from the rewarding thing, the other thing that's the more proactive front end stuff, obviously, is these sort of organizational things. Like I have all these tasks and things. How do I manage it all? So again, I have several different ways. I have, I have, I have calendars everywhere. Recently, <laughs> <laughs> I am surrounded by multi sized. You know, I got small calendars. I have big calendars. I get at work. We have a a big whiteboard calendar. There's just calendars everywhere. They see um, you coming at the calendar store. They know me. They, they, <laughs> they know, know you. You get they a start discount. Sweating. They start sweating. <laughs> so, so calendars, post-its. So I am often in my workspaces just surrounded by post-its. <laughs> Different colors. I love post-its too. I'm a post-it person. I so always I have it. one on my laptop with stuff I need to do. And the weeks I don't have the post-it, Stuff doesn't get done, Ezra. It's, yeah. It keeps me on track. Because I think a post, first of all, draws your eye. It's colorful. Yeah. Um, it's, it is sort of movable and disposable. So I think that's good because that satisfaction, I mean, I hate to waste paper. Uh, throw it in recycling. Always recycle. <laughs> but when you, you know, finish the post-it, you cross off what you've done. Like and that. then you crumple oh, can, it up. I can crumple it up. You know. triumphantly and throw it in the trash. Yes. It's done. You're done with that post-it. That's yes. a good feeling. That's yeah, a dopamine a hit right there. Yeah. There's a satisfaction to that. Uh, you know, as far as like prioritizing, I, that helps me prioritize because I'll look at them and I'm like, okay, well this one I need to get done by this day. Sometimes I'll put dates mm -hmm. or, or I'll categorize them by like immediate need, monthly need, like this needs to get done sometime in the next year. Right. So I try to, you know, evaluate them and make sure that the ones that are more immediate are the ones that I'm tackling. That goes on to that priority mm -hmm. um, idea with with students because they have multiple assignments kind of going at all at all times. And as adults, we have that too. Do you have any specific tricks for getting motivated when someone is avoiding a task or when you yourself are avoiding a task? Are there any tasks you tend to avoid? You have to trick yourself into getting started with. Yeah. Um, some of the big ones that are challenging for me are like, if we have to have something done at the house or I have to get something fixed on my car or things, bigger picture things, with kind of even literally bigger things, mm -hmm. cars, houses, whatever. I tend to push those off and avoid because I know the steps involved. The steps involved are first, I need to assess sort of what needs to be done. 
I have to do a little research and see sort of how these things typically get fixed, how much money they're going to cost. And then for me, the dreaded part is how do I find somebody that I can trust to... Like a contractor or plumber or something like this. To do these things. Mm -hmm. Um, I tend to try to, again, step it out and give myself a a bigger deadline. Not always successful with this. (laughs) I need an outside push to be like, we need to get this done. (laughs) one trick i have is called the first step finder that if you can break it down into the easiest first step and then prep your brain to take the first step then you have more of a chance of moving forward what do you think that would be uh just writing down the phone number (laughs) (laughs) or opening up the sometimes it's just opening up yelp or something and saying i'm going to search and write down three phone numbers Yeah, that would be an easy step. And then you say, okay, I'll just do that today. And tomorrow I'll call because doing it all at once feels too overwhelming. It's too much. Yeah. No, yeah. That's what I tend to do. It's like I might break it up into these micro tasks. So what is the best time management advice you can leave the listeners with today? I just think having things on the front end and the back end. So having organizational strategies for yourself that work, that are tailored to you. And sometimes you have to try out different things until you find something that works. And maybe for different tasks, you need different um, systems. And the back end, which is appreciating what you've done, no matter how small the task. Yeah. Basking in that sort of, the self-confidence you can get from, you know, the congratulating yourself, thanking yourself and uh, appreciating that. I hope you'll check out Ezra's book. Where can they find you, Ezra? My book is called Teach for Attention, a tool belt of strategies for uh, students with attention challenges. It's mainly for teachers, but parents um, can certainly learn from it too. If you have children that are have e- executive function and attention challenges, so that's uh, it's Free Spirit Publishing. So you can check it out on Free Spirit or on Amazon. And thanks again. I hope everyone listening today plans a tiny little reward for something that felt hard for you to get through today. And thanks again, Ezra. Take care. That was fun. A few takeaways from my talk with Ezra today. Think about the front and back end organization of tasks you need to do, which can include scaffolding tasks into smaller steps or micro tasks. Use delayed gratification as a way to reward yourself for getting through that task you've been avoiding. And learn to let yourself appreciate what you've done after you've done it by giving yourself a small reward for completing a project. On the next episode, we have a special segment called The Time Lab, where listeners from the show try out journaling tools discussed in episode two with Mike Sonskin. If you're interested in learning more about the show, please visit risawilliams.com and click on podcast. There you can learn about upcoming episodes and you can also become a patron of the show. Different membership tiers include special features such as having us answer your time management questions on the show, as well as a one-on-one coaching session with me, your host. I'm Risa Williams and we're out of time for today. Thanks for listening.